Hi, I'm Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Carissa Kluver. Carissa is the editor and founder of DigitalStoryTime.com, a review site for iPad picture book apps. She founded the site in December 2010 and has since reviewed over 600 apps for kids. Hi, Carissa. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for making the time. You know, it's back to school time, and um, you and I have met mostly over our discussions about apps. Um, Your great reviews of them, from my perspective, put you in an elevated position. You see lots of stuff. You see the gems. You see the dross. And um, a lot of apps for kids are free. People grab them up. And, And so I wanted to spend a little time with you today talking about um, how parents can figure out what is good to even even free is free always the best criteria and and how do you know um, what's really a value for your kids as you decide what to put into your your digital pad for um, for screen time so yeah you're the expert help (laughs) (laughs) these are great questions and i think they're questions that almost all parents of young children have um and teenagers as well but especially with young children being so adept at the ipad it's something that's talked about on the playground a lot Um, i work with a lot of educators and librarians about creating um, ways to evaluate apps and we often start with a rubric which sounds very fancy and complicated, it but does. it's basically, I know I even found it a little intimidated when the, 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 someone said, oh, you need to create a rubric. And I realized I already had um, when we create criteria. It's just like, well, what is the goal? And when you're looking for an app for, for a young child, um, because parents are the primary decision makers for those kinds of um, content, particularly for kids eight and under, I would suggest absolutely the first thing is is figure out what is your goal and then remember that technology is just a tool and it in fact is not always the best tool. So once okay. you Okay, hold on a second. Yeah. Let, let's stop there. So yeah. a parent should ask him or herself, what is the goal? I am I am bringing some content yes. here, some interactive content to my child, say my 6-year-old, my first grader. What what is my goal? Is it what what might be a goal there, Carissa? Well, um, a, a number of goals. It could, in fact, be that you're, you need your child to say stay safe and secure and be occupied in the back of the car, for instance, and, and yet also be learning. So okay. that could be a criteria. Another goal could be um, at one point when my child was in first grade, I remember he was really he was a, he wasn't a reluctant reader, but he was a reluctant drawer. He was very intimidated about art, and so um, I, my goal with one app was to, for him to be more creative, and I was having trouble doing that with pen and paper, but he was enchanted by the digital, and he was willing to, to maybe try drawing freehand on an okay. iPad. So it, it kind of depends on what your goal is. If your goal is for your child to, to strengthen their skills with multiplication mm-hmm. or whatever it is, figure that out first because it's really easy to get distracted by the bells and whistles and um, interaction in an app and forget why you got there in the first place because it's all fun. Yeah. Well, this is a really good point and a great starting point for parents. So um, maybe it's different for choosing a book, especially a a picture book for a child. There may not necessarily be a goal. It's like, oh, I like this cover. I know this author. Um, You just go to the library, pick out a book. But when you're choosing an app for your kid to know 
you know, what is the goal here? Great. Great yeah. starting point. What happens next? Well, once you know what your goal is, I, you're going to create what, what is actually a rubric, even if you're not going to call it that basically criteria. I, I, I love the number three, like, um, it's culturally very powerful. Three and four are great numbers. Just pick three criteria, just three uh, things. It doesn't have to be complicated. So maybe you want to make sure one, your kid likes it. Oh, <laughs> or... there's a good one. Your kid <laughs> yes. enjoys this particular app. Yes. So that's definitely a top criteria okay. for me because um, my child has been using an iPad since um, April of 2010. Okay. And so he's a little tired of some apps. He's not as easily wowed as other children. So over time, kids will tire of certain apps and you want to make sure it's engaging to them, um, especially if it's a topic that they're struggling with and maybe you're resisting in some other format. Okay. Now I'm to interrupt you before you go on to, to two and three of your three criteria. Yes. Um, how do you know if your kid likes it or not? Um, can you test drive an app before you buy it? Well, and that was going to be one of the other criteria um, that, that you need to consider is you need to aggressively te test apps before you share them with your child. How do you do that? Um, I test them like I'm trying to get them to crash. I just, I, I go, I try to explore every feature. I try to go through the book um, or the app faster than you normally would. Um, kids tend to think outside the box and they do things that we don't expect. And so I, I kind of just like throw spaghetti at the wall kind of quality of just tapping everything I can on an app to see, is it stable? And, and of course, while I'm doing that, I discover what the content is like and I'm looking for both developmentally appropriate content, like the topic, is it, you know, appropriate for their age level mm -hmm. and also developmentally appropriate, um, interface. So if your child is two, they can do, they can do different things intuitively than your child who's 12. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, let's, let's backtrack a little bit in terms of the engagement. Is it fun? And you're trying to crash it, see if it, it's really working in the way that your child is likely to use it. Yes. Um, are you doing this at a store? Before you purchase it, um, how do I have access to this app before I plunk down my bucks yeah. to buy it, even if it's 99 cents or $1.99, um, how, how do I test drive it before? There are apps that have um, samples or light versions. Um, light versions. Okay. Light versions that you, uh -huh. you'll find. But um, there, in many cases, there's no way to do that. You have to plunk down your money and take the risk. Ah, that may okay. Be why apps are so inexpensive is there isn't a mechanism to go to a store and, you know, pull it off the shelf, flip through it and say, oh, I kind of like this. I, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and buy it and and get more in depth in it. How about review sites? Review sites are a great way, and there are video demos. Uh, you can, of course, test an app um, yourself that way, but video demos on YouTube are really great. And review sites, there are a lot of great ones. Um, obviously, I, I like my own review site. But I do I too. <laughs> I only review digital books, and so I have a very limited scope. Um, and as a reviewer, I actually still go to review sites on a regular basis when I want to find a child's app for my own child. Uh, last year, my son was struggling with spelling, and I had to reach out to, to all the review sites and look at what they had. And then I asked some of them personally, crowdsourced a bit. Um, and, you know, I, I like to read reviews. They, they can be very helpful. Okay, so it sounds like there is a distinction. I don't know that all parents make this distinction between digital books, the kind that you review, mm -hmm. versus um, more uh, educational enhancement or reinforcement 
yes. skill kind of things. Um, is there another name for those apps versus digital books? Usually just they're called educational apps. Educational apps versus digital books or s- digital storybooks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so these are two separate categories. Parents, you should know about this. Yes. And, There's a and, lot of format. And, and both obviously require some reviewing. Even if it's not a huge investment on your part, you don't want to be loading up an iPad or any other tablet with Drek, you know? Right, right. Um, and, and for you to educate yourself requires what of a parent? If you can't test drive it, as you said, mostly yeah. you can't, but there are light versions that yeah. you can check on. And I heard you also say that there are um, videos that kind of might step a user through the experience so that you can get a sense of, oh, okay, this is what the interface looks like. Um, this is how someone might use this. Yeah, you bring up a good point. While you can't test drive the specific app you're looking for, if you've never played with educational apps or digital books before, um, they're very new for you, the best thing to do is download a bunch of free ones to get an idea of what the market is like. Okay, get the freebies. And then from there... First of all, you'll, you will find that some free apps are as good, if not better, than, than paid alternatives, depending okay. on the category. Um, it, really, it really varies. So looking through those, you might find some free apps that you really like, but you'll also find some real awful stuff. And in the process, you'll get an idea of sort of what's the breadth of the market like, what's it look like. Okay, and, now I've got a question yeah. for you. Yes. Um, what makes something awful? <laughs> well, crashing would be first of all. Oh, terrible. It doesn't yes. work. It, it's uh, like the car that only has three wheels. Yes, yes. Or square I, tires. I, I have a whole list of things to watch out for. <laughs> oh, good. Share some. Uh, number one, which is often in the media, is coercive monetization, which is. Oh, that's like, a big term. What does it mean? Big term. It means trying to get money out of your kids, trying to shake your kids' coins out of them uh, by taking. How do they things- do that? Well, a lot of people have heard of the Smurfberry. Uh, I have not. There was a, a Smurf app, and you got berries, but you had to buy the berries with actual cash. But you could also earn the berries in the game, and they make it so confusing whether you're or not you're buying berries with your fake money in the game or you're spending your parents' money. And if a parent had logged into their iTunes account within 15 minutes before handing the iPad to their child... They all those charges could go through. So those this, are a lot this of. Those sounds suits. not just deceptive. It sounds fraudulent and evil. <laughs> and and it's illegal. And it has. There's been illegal court, ca- illegal. court cases have been uh, have been up in the news quite a bit for both Google and um, and for Apple to reimburse parents. But it, the stress and the I think also the damage it does to the relationship with your child, because now I mean your kids feel terrible when their parents are in this situation, and it's very young children who are doing it. So. Um, the other okay, thing. Okay, so yeah, tell me again that term that you called it. <laughs> Coercive monetization. Coercive monetization. Okay, yes. so number one, it, it's it's an awful app if it crashes. Number two, stay away from it big time if there is coercive monetization. Yeah. So what, so, what else? Um, links that leave the app for, especially for uh, children under five, five or six. In and where do they go? Uh, the web. They could try to send an email from your email account. They might go to the camera, which may or may not be an issue depending on what the app does. So you need to think about what other parts of the iPad does or your tablet does this app access. So that's something you want to test. Is this Uh, something that you'd have to play through the entire game to find out if any of these traps are there? 
You might. I often, with younger children, advise parents to just be on the safe side and just put the iPad in airplane mode or turn the Wi-Fi off okay. um, if you're if you're concerned about a young child that's not supervised while they're using an app for some reason. Okay. Any other um, pitfalls that we should avoid? Ads. And that a lot of what Ads. you find in free apps is that they'll have maybe a paid version and a free version, and they're exactly the same except for an ad um, a stream of ads. And I have seen ads that were extremely inappropriate, um, like for dating, in, dating services. In a children's app? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it all. Um, one of my favorite examples of terrible, terrible apps is an app called Sexy ABCs. And it, it was, that's what it's called. It was free the, the day that we were, we began the, uh, the California State Library convention. And I was trying to show someone what, what things you might discover in the app store unexpectedly. And it was silhouettes of women in positions that looked like the ABCs. Oh my goodness. Oh (laughs) my goodness. So I I think that it's really important for, and it's in the education category and it it was right next to, you know, the, the truly educational apps. So advertisements are a big one, developmentally inappropriate content and, and just general poor quality in this independent publishing environment. There's a much uh, broader range of quality and it goes all the way down into the dump. (laughs) Into the dumps. Yeah, it goes all, it goes deep. Deep into the deepest. Stuff. Okay, well, how about if we now talk about the great stuff yes. and how parents can then plug into um, knowing, because really, parents have an awful lot to do. They, right? do. they do. Not only back to school time, but all the time. If you're doing your job as a parent, you've got something to do all the time to benefit your child. And I know that, you know, we all like to believe that people who develop content for kids have the best intentions in mind. But as you've just said, sometimes not so much. So I would like to know how you can help parents help themselves be more savvy without becoming complete experts themselves in figuring out what's great out there for my kid. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say find a a review site that you like, one that has some some reviews of apps you've seen before that you Mm -hmm. liked and that you didn't like, and is pretty close to what how you felt about apps that you've seen. And then that's good. Or has a or have children the same age as yours. That's another thing. Is most app reviewers are doing this as a hobby, and they got into it because they were really interested in apps, not because they have and they have kids that and they have kids, and so they're doing it with their kids, and so they may gravitate towards apps for a boy or a girl of a certain age, depending on the kids that they have at home. So that may be um, there's usually an about page for a review site. Um, The most important thing though is to reach out to both other parents and to educators. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of schools, ask your child's teacher, a lot of schools are getting this content now. Four years ago, I would have said, definitely don't ask your child's teacher. You'll just confuse and worry them. But now a lot of teachers have had access to to good Good. apps. Yeah. So so teachers, librarians, um, any other um, mentor types that, yeah. that you could turn to? Librarians are great. And there's a new movement going on right now around media mentoring in the librarian field in particular. 
Media mentoring. Okay. Yeah. And, and what is that specifically? Media mentoring is, is a chance basically to mentor each other as professionals in a broad range of fields that work with, with children about all of this new technology. It's coming so fast that instead of us all going back to university and getting another certificate in digital citizenship or media, um, we're having to do this on the fly. And it, we do a better job if we're, we're all in the same room together sharing this information. And I think parents can take the same concept and media mentor each other. We already do it with potty training and um, helping our kids get to sleep at night and every other topic on yeah. the, the block. So this is a chance for us to say, you know, you know, not be embarrassed that maybe our kids are getting too much media at home or we don't think we're doing the right thing and start asking these questions and having these dialogues with each other. This is really excellent advice, Carissa. We only have a minute or two left, but I'd love for you to take an opportunity now to let our viewers and listeners know where they can learn more about your work. Well, definitely find me at digital-storytime.com. That's my uh, main review site. I also have a blog called The Digital Media Diet. It's at digitalmediadiet.com, and it's about parenting in the digital age. And I also want to plug big time what I'm reading on my bedside is this book, Lisa Guernsey's Screen Time. Wonderful. She's a researcher. Much. She's she's one of those people that I I admire so much that I think she's like so much of an expert. I wouldn't know where to start with her, and yet she writes in a way that's so approachable. Every parent will relate to the story she tells about her own kids. That's great. Thanks again for your time, Chris. You this bet. has been really educational for me, Thank and you. I'm, I'm sure it will be for our listeners as well. Thank you so much. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my brand new book for girls ages 8 to 12, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And tune in next time when my guest will be educational psychologist and psychotherapist Amy Fortney Parks. Our topic will be, Who Needs Family Counseling? Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.